and young. Welcome to I've Made a Huge Mistake, an Arrested Development podcast. I'm your host, Darren, and today I have two guests with me. Uh, first of all, I'm going to say hello to Sarah. Hello, Sarah. Hello, Ong Young. And hello to Kyle. Hello. Hi, how's it going? This is episode 13, Beef Consomme. Uh, it was originally broadcast uh, the day after Valentine's Day on 2004, uh, which, of course, ties in with the episode we speak, spoke about previously, episode 12, because that was actually... Uh, themed as a Valentine's episode. Um, so this is one of the very rare occurrences where the events in this take place on the actual day that it was broadcast, <laughs> which I'm sure was completely accidental. Uh, it was written by Richard Rosenstock and Chuck Martin. I think I've talked about Richard Rosenstock before. Uh, Chuck Martin, I think this is the first episode that he's credited on, or the, the second episode that he's credited on. Uh, but by coincidence, oh no, this is his second episode that he's credited on, but the first episode he was credited on was My Mother the Car, and that was also directed by the director of this episode, which is uh, Jay Chandrasekhar, I think is how you say that name. Yeah, yeah, I think he's right. Who, of course, was from the uh, Broken Lizard troupe. He will direct two more episodes this season, uh, which will be the Maggie Liza double bill coming up in a couple of weeks' time. This is this is his second episode, and he doesn't direct anything after season one. He moved on to better things, I think. <laughs> uh, and I'm gonna I'm gonna read for you the uh, summary that is in the DVD case, uh, and it reads as follows: As Tobias struggles to overcome his nude phobia, so he can accept the movie role of frightened inmate number two. Michael, Buster, and Joe fight over who gets to go out with Marta. A lot of this episode continues from the previous episode, which saw uh, Buster fall in love with Marta, and (laughs) Michael sort of admit his feelings to Marta, and Job was hunting down Hermano, which he still thinks, as this episode begins, is... A person uh, and not a uh, a title. And in fact, the narrator lays it all out at the start of the episode when he says, Michael Bluth was infatuated with his brother's girlfriend, Marta, a Spanish-language soap opera star. But when he found out she was interested in a man named Hermano, he confronted her. Unfortunately, he discovered too late that Hermano in Spanish meant brother. And the person Marta was infatuated with was, in fact, himself. <laughs> the funny thing is, as that's described, we see a picture of a, <laughs> I don't know, a dictionary, I think? Hermaphrodito. <laughs> yeah, where it, where it has <laughs> examples of what hermano means, and it is actually a picture of Jason Bateman and Will Arnett. Yeah, yeah. And then, yeah, it has other things defined <laughs> on that same page, and it has a, a, a hermaphrodite, and it says, in the picture next to it is a picture of... Tobias. Uh, Lindsay? Or is it Tobias? <laughs> Tobias yeah. in the... I think blue Lindsay's jeans. also on the page as well. Yeah, for um, for beautiful or something like that. Um, for word for beautiful. <laughs> yeah, so, yeah, yeah so, I... so all of them get to appear on this, this very quick <laughs> little dictionary page that appears on screen. Wait, and it's one of those strange situations where... Like, the writers clearly thought of a very funny joke for the brothers to be on the page and then Hermaphrodito and picture of Tobias to be there. And you think, like, well, how come this show didn't do well on TV, on broadcast, where people can't pause it and review the two-second joke, uh, you know, that was just on screen. Um, but, yeah, I thought it was uh, very funny. I, I pause it because I never noticed that before, uh, that picture of Tobias. That's what caught my eye. <laughs> Well, I should ask you very quickly then, uh, when did you get into Arrested Development? I mean, 
you know, did you watch it when it was airing or did you catch up with it on DVD or were you a latecomer on Netflix? Uh, I'll ask Sarah first. When um, did you become a fan? Sure. Uh, I came into it probably midway during the second season um, when it originally aired. Uh, you know, Fox did a notoriously bad job advertising it, so I didn't really know much about it the first season. And I enjoyed it the second season. I got into it, but it wasn't until I bought the DVDs and really went back to the beginning and could kind of binge watch it that I really fell in love with it. Um, I think it's one of those rare shows that really benefits from the binge watching, where you can do that, where you're just talking about the pausing it and finding all those jokes and just seeing how early they set up the stage for things like, you know, Buster losing his hand and the, how early they set the stage for everything that happens in Iraq. So that's really when I fell in love with this, when I got the season one DVDs, and then I've just been an addict ever since. Yeah, ironically, the first episode I saw that was on TV was the Save Our Blues episode, um, which is, <laughs> you know, like, I heard all these great stories about how good that the show That was literally is. the final night that the show went out, <laughs> they did all four back-to-back, and that yeah, was, like, the first episode. Yeah, exactly. That was the first night I watched it, and uh, very... And I, the, because, and the reason why I stayed with it, like I, it was probably like a break from playing Diablo Two or whatever. Um, <laughs> where um, I remember seeing Andy Richter, and I'm like, oh, I love Andy Richter, and I, I was watching it. And my dad walks down, and he's like, oh, what show is this? And I'm like, oh, it's it's a really interesting show. It has like John Larroquette in it, and <laughs> Andy Richter, <laughs> and you know, like <laughs> that of how I characterize the show. And you know, it, it's it's a strange... Judge Reinhold. But yeah, Judge Reinhold. Was in it. <laughs> so like, yeah, and then I think. It was, it was still running after that, I believe, but like reruns, and then yeah. I, I yeah. sort of stopped, I paying attention to it, and then yeah, I think around that time when the DVDs came out, a lot of people, you know, before the Netflix binge watch, people were doing that with DVDs, and I, I had just sort of rediscovered Mr. Show on DVD, and then I was like, oh, you know, David Cross was in this other show that I watched one night of, and. You know, on a somewhat of a lark, I just watched Arrested Development. I just, like, went out and bought the DVD without knowing how good it was. And, yeah, just yeah, watched it, like, over the course of a day, an entire season. And so, yeah, from there, I was I was hooked. Out of curiosity, coming in on Save Our Blues, did any of those jokes make sense? Like, could you even understand what was going on? Well, no, I mean, no. Like, the subtle um, inside humor of the show, no. And you don't know the <laughs> characters all that much. But it was still funny. Like, like the one scene I do remember is, like, when... Is it Michael Jack's uh, Andy's brother against the wall? And he, he just says, <laughs> oh, you have complete yeah. control here. Like, yeah. That was still a very funny joke. <laughs> he just uh, slides slowly <laughs> out from underneath his arm. That's yeah, a yeah, solid yeah, joke, you know, yeah. Such a, yeah, so, a really... That's oh, Rocky, Andy that is, the, is uh, the stuntman. Yes, yeah, Rocky. He, Rocky Richter, he, hate, he hates himself because he has to maintain the same weight as Andy. <laughs> <laughs> That's gonna be that's gonna be fun to dissect once we get there. Mm-hmm. Uh, anyway, yeah. So back to this episode. Barry is trying to get the family to the arraignment, and this is a thing that I've mentioned this before. There are little things that play on the DVDs as you put them in, and this is the first thing that plays when you put this DVD. In. Oh, when I got to that line, I could hear it over and over in my head. That loop on the menu. Oh yeah. Oh. <laughs> Barry, Barry, when he says, um, "It would help if you all showed up." Looking like a loving, supportive family. Lucille says... For how long? Barry says... <laughs> Ten minutes tops. Lucille says... See if you can get it down to five. Down to five. Yep. 
<laughs> Sorry, it was like a Vietnam flashback for me of falling asleep with the menu, you know, looping and like waking up and just hearing it like a thousand times. I was like, oh, that line. Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. <laughs> After hearing it a hundred times, it still remains funny because I love how Lucille tries to negotiate them being a loving family <laughs> for the smallest amount of possible time that she can. Now, it's worth mentioning, um, you know, they say that Michael is distracted because of Marta, but I think this is also where the cutscene which comes with this episode would have gone which is Barry uh, Zuckercorn is caught by his girlfriend with his other girlfriend yeah, weird, and then he gets weird home scene. he gets gets home and finds his wife where is it in Colorado, I think is how they pronounce it. Yeah. yeah. So th- th- we we get the the idea that that Barry has not only a wife but two girlfriends. That doesn't really fit with his character in terms of the rest of the show. <laughs> it's such a, a strange choice. And I should say that like up until this point, <clears throat> it's not. Although Barry is like a big character in terms of the episode, and obviously Henry Winkler plays him so perfectly, he isn't in a great deal of episodes. <laughs> It takes him until uh, In God We Trust to, like, show up in the first season. And this is only his second appearance. Um, You know, so we've got 13 episodes in and this is only the second time that we've seen Barry. Mm. Uh, And we found out in in the, the first appearance that he made that obviously he is the worst lawyer. I mean, we knew that from the pilot, basically, that he was the worst lawyer. You know, here he kind of confirms it again by being so distracted that he isn't really concentrating on the arraignment. And later on, when we get into the court, all the charges will be read out and he hasn't even read the second page of the charges, (laughs) which is like one of the kind of funnier jokes about how incompetent he is. But yeah, so, I mean, Henry Winkler is always a delight. He makes Barry this kind of, like, incompetent but still kind of lovable guy. Like, you can't really hate him. Because the Bluths could pay for a better lawyer if they really wanted. Um, <laughs> but they, they stick with this. And obviously, you know, Michael gets a call from Job, who is still in pursuit of Hermano. And, you know, Michael is encouraging him to not go over to Marta's. And then this is where we get... Pro- this is the funniest kind of like running joke in this episode, uh, which is where he says... You're a good guy, my frere. That means brother in French. Mm. I don't know why I know that. I took four years of Spanish. And Will Arnett delivers that line uh, really well. Oh, it's mm-hmm. brilliant. Like the kind of... And, you know, that's one of those uh, situations where in my circle of friends, or my brother, who's also a fan of the show, who's been on the show, uh, on your podcast, um, will call each other Mon Frere as a reference to the show, and it just goes over everyone's heads. Because anyone who even knows what the word <laughs> means just assumes we're calling each other brother, but we know you know that we're calling each other that because of arrested development so an example of how this sort of changed our lexicon of uh <laughs> how we uh, uh communicate with each other what i find funny about that joke in the last episode was that michael didn't know what hermano meant either and that's one of those rare cases yeah. where michael really comes across as being kind of you know equally stupid to job when usually he's the one who's you know a little bit smarter. You know, and it's funny, that's something I kept making notes of, is that this is really an episode where Michael is not a good person. Where oh, throughout yeah. the entire series, he's sort of... No. He's the protagonist, but like a quote I wrote down is that when he's trying to woo uh, Marta, uh, he's he's saying, we should do the wrong thing, but the right way, you know? And, and that sort of really yeah. encapsulates, uh, I think, Michael's character in a way. He goes to see Marta, because obviously he's trying to cut Marta and Job off from each other so that they don't find out what's going on. Marta is kind of like talking him up and saying, you know... We live by a code, you and I, to honor family. <laughs> Michael says, yes. 
that's one of the things that attracted me to you, your sense of right and wrong. <laughs> he has a beat and he goes, I also like your hair and your face and your breasts. <laughs> yes, exactly. <laughs> oh, his delivery of that line is so great. I love that line. You know, and it's funny because he delivers it not in a creepy way either. Oh no, it's so flat and it's so just matter of fact. Yeah. And I, and I love that, that um, you know, Marta says, Jove is like the cock of the walk, but not you. You're so kind. You're sensitive like a woman. Like a woman. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> just goes, That's enough. <laughs> and also the cock of the walk, it, instantly evokes the image of Job doing his chicken uh, impersonation as well. Um, so that yeah. I left at that. Um, that scene also uh, immediately after is, is one of my favorite sort of displays of Jay Chandashekar's direction in this, is that really quick gag of them bumping into that picture of Job. It falls over and behind it is a picture of <laughs> Jesus. So like, you know, and then they have to correct it. And then throughout Marta's room is sort of reminders of Job. Um, My favorite is the audio tape that plays of Job just like counting increasingly intense. <laughs> yeah. So and then like, he misses a but, number. <laughs> He's trying to he's trying to get he's trying to catch the beat for love is in the air. Yeah. But he he, he misses it completely because he starts going Twelve. Yeah. And I can't hear that without picturing Will Arnett just like standing in a recording studio, just like shouting into a microphone doing that. You know, and that music thing is important because Marta says he insists that we have play it. So then I think about, well, then who put that picture of uh, Job up in the room? I think like Job went in the room with a picture of himself, saw a picture of Jesus and put his picture in front of uh, Jesus. And oh, of course to me, he that did, is, yeah incredibly funny i love again of course we get michael here he's trying to move things along and he's um marta says that she has to tell job and um and he says yes but but you you speak a little slowly and i really want to get this thing moving along so listen you do the noble thing and you tell him that you've met somebody else i'm going to do the noble thing and tell him that it's me while i'm doing my noble thing you could put those photos in a box get rid of the wand and we can do the wrong thing the right way the right way yeah no yeah so that was a really wonderfully put together scene and that's one of the things that is kind of redeemable about michael is he's not a good person but in his own way he's still trying to be a good person he's not completely gone the other (laughs) direction in his own mind he's justifying it they're like oh i'm not being a terrible person even though he is Mm -hmm. (laughs) something i want to kind of mention here which i've mentioned practically every single episode up to this point is (laughs) that the the martyr storyline was the only kind of I mean, the big long-running storyline over the first 13 episodes. Obviously, when the pilot was ordered, they got the order for the 12 episodes, and this is the final episode of the initial order. So all the storylines that have been going on up until this point, which, you know, includes, uh, you know, the the Martyr storyline, but also last week, the, like, Buster and Lucille 2 broke up. Mm-hmm. So that storyline kind of finished. We find out that maybe... Um, might not be related to George Michael. <laughs> she was made in a cup like soup. Yeah, so so that storyline kind of finishes as well in this episode. And Tobias and Lindsay, they kind of stop fighting in this episode. And when we get to the very end of the episode, we'll discuss what happens with Tobias being a never nude because that kind of gets wrapped up as well. So if... If the show had actually been cancelled after 13, which given Fox's reputation, that is not something beyond uh, anyone's reasonable thoughts, 
then this would have been the final episode. Hmm. And if you know that, then you can actually see a lot of things kind of getting wrapped up. Yeah. We get a great fight between Lindsay and Tobias where maybe catches them fighting and <laughs> Lindsay says, You, you handsome, handsome cowboy, cowboy you. <laughs> Which is obviously covering something she was going to say. And then <laughs> Tobias says, You selfish country music loving lady. Yeah. And I, I, that's kind of, <laughs> I love maybe even going, Nice cover. Mm. And, and so obviously, uh, we also get a call back to the previous episode where, you know, Tobias talks about. Uh, that the famous ordeal, which is you know uh, Lindsay not being able to conceive, and uh, this, I, I mean, <laughs> this doesn't go on for very long in terms of this episode because obviously they you know they they kind of talk about um, what is meant by that, but I find it funny that George Michael sees Job um, while whilst he's looking at the. Um, you know the the pictures and saying that maybe they're not family and maybe it's very very right, mm-hmm. <laughs> um, which he finishes with Twinkie, which is an odd uh, name. Um, <laughs> he asks Job. He says, "Hey, uh, was Aunt Lindsay ever pregnant?" <laughs> and Job just goes, <laughs> "Oh yeah, it doesn't sometimes." <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> which, which is kind of like that. <laughs> that's like a really. That's kind of like that's a lot of heavy information to drop on on yeah. George Michael. And he's so casual with it. <laughs> and well, depending on interpretation, that's a fairly dark joke too. Um, yeah. Which this show doesn't always get yeah. to, but uh, I thought it was done very well. Yeah. You know, and leading on to sort of that George Michael, that poor kid living in that house. The next scene when they're talking in the kitchen, uh, one little quick takeaway I saw was that there was a note on the fridge. In which George Michael yeah, wrote, yeah. like, I drank, the, I finished the milk, I'll go out and buy more. Which, you know, <laughs> what young boy is responsible for going out and buying the milk for the family? <laughs> like, that poor kid <laughs> has to be the adult in the house. Um, you know. Well, I mean, also, you know, he that's why you always leave a note. Exactly. Really. Oh, yeah. that's true, huh? Yeah, you so. always leave a note. Yeah, that's good. <laughs> yeah. He's been taught well, you know. That yeah. Even though he wasn't alive for those lessons, they've somehow sunk in. Yeah. Yeah. But we, yeah, well, we get to the kitchen and Buster turns up with his, you know, traditional, hey, brother. Um, uh, and Michael says, hey, Buster. Uh, and Buster says, hey, brother, to Job. And he says, hey, Buster. So there's a lot of people greeting each other. <laughs> but it's funny because, you know, um, they talk about fighting and they, they t- you know, uh, Buster talks about how he wants to, he wants to get into a fight um and you know he wants to dance he wants to make love to a woman he wants to get a check-in account <laughs> uh, so, which is a kind of weird list of adult things that he wishes to do well that's all of our adult lives right we get in fights yeah we have sex with women <laughs> and we have checking we dance <laughs> yeah the getting punched in a face thing though for me it kind of came out of nowhere like there's a few things in the episode that are kind of weird character things that don't show up anywhere else and that's one of them for me was this whole, like, I want to be punched in the face really just, you know, led up to the end of the episode, but there's nothing really led up to that. It was just kind of kind of out of nowhere for me. He just, well, I mean, in the previous episode, he, he you know, kind of broke up with Lucille 2, and he also kind of freed himself of Lucille 1. Um, so this is just him kind of trying to do stuff that his, his, his mom told him not to, mm-hmm. um, you know. And, uh, I mean, we get a flashback where, you know, 
<laughs> he says, Mom always taught us to curl up in a ball and remain motionless when confronted. <laughs> and we see in the flashback, because Michael says that's about being attacked by bears, and then we see in the flashback a kid in a bear suit saying, hey, rich kid, give me your money, and Buster just turns in, like, ch- child Buster just rolls up into yeah. a ball on the ground. So, and this is actually one I notice. I think it's a joke on purpose, um, where every fight that Michael is in, his first instinct is to go climb a tree. Which is also something you do when you're I confronted that by that too. Uh, yeah, so I, like to me, yeah. that's uh, like I I just got that this time, which you know just shows like this is probably <laughs> the fifth time I've seen this episode at least, and I'm still getting things for the first time. Because obviously it's meant to be in California, so you know apparently there are bears out there. Mm-hmm. I would expect that people would have ideas of how to get away from bears. Uh, but yeah, he he does end up in a lot of trees in this episode as well. <laughs> um, and when Lucille calls Michael, you know, to to get everyone together for the hearing, he, he uh, she makes a suggestion of cloves for for Buster. Yeah, it is the scene. And, oh yeah, and the, blue the blue sweater and the gray pants. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> and he gets really angry and he, and he's like, yeah, they would. <laughs> he gets angry, but he agrees with her because he's like, yeah, they would look nice together. Yeah. Um, which I think is like that shows how how under Lucille's thumb he is that he agrees to be dressed even though you know he's not with them. And of course, this is where Michael says, you know, they just read the charges and we look like a loving family for like six minutes. Lucille says ten minutes. Michael goes, we couldn't get that down, huh? Um, yeah, that oh, that joke, that callback makes that other joke like ten, even ten times funnier than it was before. Just that little callback really seals it. I love that joke. But also where that um, yeah. Michael agrees that ten minutes is almost yeah, too long. Yeah, that they can't be a loving family for more than six minutes. <laughs> it's like the upper limit. Yeah. Um, this is where George Michael, he, he, he goes back to Tobias to talk about maybe. And he's, he refers to the conversation the previous night, um, which was in the previous episode. And then Tobias starts his explanation, and um, David Cross's like reading of this speech, where he's like, "When a man needs to prove to a woman that he's actually, when a man loves a woman, and he actually wants to make love uh, to her, something <laughs> very, very special happens, and uh, with." Deep, deep concentration and, and great focus, he is often able to achieve in a... I'm sorry, I'm... And then George Michael stops him um, because he doesn't want to know, like, a general thing. He's specifically talking about maybe. And then um, uh, and... Tobias then goes, oh, good thing you stopped me because then it gets very gross <laughs> or something, you know, along those lines. <laughs> and I love how, once again, we get the famous Bluth crosstalk where Tobias is like, this isn't right. And George Michael's like, I know, you're right, I'm sorry. And then Tobias goes, no, no, it says it's a shower scene. I'm supposed to be in the shower scene. It, 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 um, sorry, I'm not supposed to be in the shower scene. It has nudity. And um, the narrator explains that Tobias was a never nude, which is exactly what it sounds like. Um, and then he actually points to his cutoffs and says, what do you think I wear these for? And George Michael says... I was never actually clear on that. Um, it's partially a callback to the... Um, the In God We Trust episode where Tobias thinks that George Michael is also in Never Nude because he insists on wearing the muscle suit. I love yeah. that idea, though, that George um, Michael, this poor kid, just kind of always had the idea, like, you just don't ask about the cutoffs. You just kind of accept it. And, of course, Buster is also inquiring with someone, and he's trying to find out with Job, um, you know, if he's with Marta still. 
and of course, um, Job says, uh, you know, uh, that he, he wants to spring it on Marta and say, I know you've been cheating on me. You just cost yourself one fine man and one fine CD of him singing Love is in the Air. <laughs> and while he's doing this, he's eating dry spaghetti, which is such a kind of weird character thing that like Job can't be bothered to cook. Um, but he knows he's hungry, so he's got to eat something. Uh, once again, you know, like the 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 Bluth children are kind of incompetent when left by themselves. Um, yeah. And this is where Job sort of gets half of the reveal about Omano. Um, <laughs> when uh, Buster says that he's been watching El Amor Prohibido, he says she's the love that's forbidden, the love of my Omano. And Job goes, you know Hermano? And he goes, Hermano is Sp- his brother in Spanish, as in... Hey, Hermano! And I love his kind of delivery of, like, putting his hands on his shoulder, but not... Because obviously, you know, Buster always wants to put his hands on people's shoulders from behind and massage them while he says, hey. But I like that he just does it on the front because he's only given an example. Mm-hmm. Um, and then, I mean, I just... I love this line because... Um, Buster kind of they they think it's the brother who's on the show, and and Buster says I, th- I think his name is Teal. And Job says, Teal. Well, sounds like someone who you think's name is Teal is about to get his ass kicked. <laughs> it's just like such a a weird like long nickname that he's giving to this person because he doesn't know if his name is Teal. What I like about that joke is like the double level is that Tio is Spanish for uncle. So it sounds. Yes. The, the character on the show is actually her uncle. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So it doesn't make any sense whatsoever. Um, and obviously, this is where Michael relays the uh, the blue sweater and the grey pants. And Buster says, damn it, she's right. Mom's always right. <laughs> and um, I love this bit because Job goes to, you know, find Tio. Um, while George Michael goes to Lucille to find out what the the, the deal is with uh, maybe, and um, you know, Lucille says she's not real. She was made in a cup like soup, a hundred and thirty thousand dollars cup of soup. How would you like them egg rolls, Mister Goldstone? Which is such a weird reference uh, <laughs> to to, uh, to Gypsy, and I, I don't I don't know why she makes that reference, but um, yeah. And then George Michael says, are you saying we're not directly related? And Lucille says, I'm saying she spent her, her inheritance getting here. Uh, which I think is a, an interesting way of looking at it. But we, we kind of don't, even though this is meant to tie this up, we kind of don't get a kind of a definitive answer at this particular point. As you said, it's that, that example of sort of two people in the family having different conversations at the same time. So, yeah, that's why yes. it's never definitive because who knows what Lucille is actually listening to George Michael. And also, it's worth noting that this is one of the very rare times where it's just... In fact, I think in the first 13 episodes, this might be the first time where it's just George Michael and Lucille in a scene mm-hmm. uh, together because generally they're only together at family gatherings and George Michael's usually with either Maybe or Michael. It's very rare that he actually talks to his gangy. Yeah. Um, so, and of course, Job, when getting onto the set of El Amor Prohibido, he says, hey, guy, and I just love his, how he says, like the kind of aggression he puts behind those words. Um, and then he, he, he goes to, I love how Tio says, Como, and Job goes, you're going to be in a coma, all right. Like, completely <laughs> yeah. mishearing it. And of course, the actor who plays Tio, 
starred in a Mexican film about the life of Oscar de la Hoya. So he blocks Job's shot and knocks him out. Uh, and then when we see Job waking up, Michael is next to him. And Job says, Where am I? Am I in two-thirds of a hospital room? And it's such a great visual joke of it looks like they're in hospital. And then obviously it turns into the, the reveal that it's a hospital set. Um, and, you know, this is, again, we get... It's very like there's a few times in the show where they do this, and this is where uh, Michael admits what has been going on, and you know I kind of I kind of like the the sentiment that Job expresses here when um, Michael says that you know she likes Hermano's brother, which is me, and Job says, "Well, if I'd known it was you, I wouldn't have minded." Um, and he says, "Call, you're a great guy." If you liked her, I would have said, go for it. And then, of course, Michael says, I do kind of like her. Joe kind of weakly says, go for it. Y'all know that look on Joe's face. Like, he clearly didn't expect Michael to actually do it. Like, he was just saying it. And then when, he, <laughs> you think so? when Michael says, okay, I'm going to go for it, that look on his face is like, oh, my God, what did I just say? <laughs> he doesn't yeah. actually say I made a huge mistake, but it's right there yeah. on his face. <laughs> I, don't, I mean, I don't know if that's actually... If that's just Will Elnett's expression, because I feel like the the words feel kind of sincere that he, you know, he genuinely does think that his brother's a great guy. You know, even in um, My Mother the Car, which of course was um, the last time Jay Chakrasandra directed, uh, which has the great kind of, um, in fact, it's worth noting, it's another time when the camera is actually... Acknowledged. To because after the crash, yeah, the, uh, yeah, after the crash, the, the camera is actually acknowledged because it turns off. Um, but in that episode, the, it, you get to the end of the episode and, and um, Job has kind of come to rescue Michael and he says, you don't, you don't hate me. Mom hates me. You kind of like me. Uh, and I think that's, that is kind of true. Like they do kind of fight as we'll see later on in this episode. But I do feel like the, the these particular two Bluth brothers do actually really like each other and they, you know... The, the kind of whole thing about Marta is Job's kind of indecisiveness where he keeps breaking up with her and getting back with her and cheating on her and all that kind of stuff. He's basically behaving poorly to Marta, but it doesn't feel like there's anything Michael can do to stop it, uh, which obviously that would make him the good guy if he basically figured out a way to stop that. But, uh, you know, I don't think Job would stop Michael from going for Marta if he genuinely liked her. But then they have that whole fight at the end, and that's what the fight at the end is all about, when Michael's climbing the tree outside the courtroom. I think in this moment, he he's being genuine. I think he Just means it. Just for a couple it, of seconds. Yeah, I think he means it when he says Michael's yeah. a great guy. But I think he doesn't expect yeah. Michael to actually take him up on the offer. I think he expects Michael to be the decent person Michael usually is, and to back off, and then nobody yeah. will have her. But so when Michael takes him up on it, first. I think... That's when it changes, yeah. Hmm. And of course we get the Gilligan cut with Michael is at Marta's door and he says, hi, my brother said we can do it. <laughs> that didn't come out as romantic as I hoped. <laughs> and it's such a great kind of... And then Marta says everything is perfect. And of course, you know, as, they, as they're as they making out, the phone rings and Michael says, you jinxed it. <laughs> and I love this, this kind of... Uh, this joke here where Michael says... She's probably worried about my dad's hearing, and Marta says, <laughs> yeah. "We, my dad, it is the vision." <laughs> yeah, the vision. Yeah. It's a great little one-off joke. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. And then you know we get again. I feel that you know a, a, a touching scene where Tobias 
even though the never nude thing has been played up as a kind of silly thing um you know we see Lindsay and tobias here and he's making clear that like he can't be naked i can't get undressed alone i can't get undressed by myself you know Lindsay kind of persuades him to actually take his clothes off <laughs> which mm-hmm. uh you know i it, because i guess this this was kind of written like i said as a bit of a finale if the show got cancelled I feel like finally having Lindsay and Tobias actually be together as a couple and not have any of the kind of the weirdness with Tobias being closeted or anything like that. I feel like if this had been the last episode, this would have been a good place for them to um, to finish this particular storyline. Of course, <laughs> they go on with a punchline at the end, which um, is less of a sweet way to finish the storyline. But... You know, at, the, at this point, as they gradually start to take their clothes off, it feels like they're actually, you know, there's a connection between them as a couple. And you can kind of see how they've managed to last for like 14 years. Yeah, this scene is um, one of the reasons I wanted to do this episode is because one of my favorite scenes in the whole show for that reason. It's just one of the scenes. Yeah. I think it might be the only scene in the entire series where it actually plays as serious the entire scene. They're not playing it for gags. They're not playing it for a joke. It's just these two vulnerable people having this real conversation and David Cross has his little speech and he just delivers it so well and so you know just you really get the sense of what an affliction it's been for him and it's the only time that the whole never nude thing isn't played for a laugh so I really love that moment it's sincere but there's the the punchline is the sock coming off right yeah um, but up so until it, that moment I mean you know there's not bantering absolutely. it's just a very real conversation and yeah like you were saying you can really just you get a sense of their history in that moment mm-hmm. And it's one of the only times when Tobias isn't being, you know, inadvertently throwing out double entendres and being flamboyant without realizing it. And he's not doing all those things you normally associate with his character. So, yeah, I really I mm-hmm. love that moment. It's one of my favorite moments in the series. It's a be- one of the best character moments that they did, I think. And I think particularly the line where Tobias says, please, please don't make fun. Yeah, yeah it's almost like, a yeah. heartbreaking you get, you line. Get I almost the- want to cry. <laughs> this is delivery of that. <laughs> oh. It's like, oh, Tobias, you need a hug. Yeah. And credit to the camera yeah. work there is that the the camera really is active in this episode. So it, leading up to that moment, there's a whole long trek sort of down the hallway. It rounds a corner, and you see this sort of through the crack in the door. And the next scene that you see, maybe, she's kind of okay with her family. So it's almost like I feel like us acknowledging that there's this moment is maybe the camera at that point was kind of maybe, right? Um, where... Uh, she's finally seeing maybe her, there there is love in her parents' relationship. Oh, interesting. Um, so, yeah, I, I, I agree. That, but that's really that's a good. I yeah, I'm an I'm an English teacher. I I overanalyze everything. <laughs> no, so, I like that. <laughs> though. I like that. <laughs> well, the narrator basically tells us. That... George Michael realized that no matter how much it upset him, he didn't want to take Maybe's family away from her. And I think that is a nice little cap know... for that storyline. If it had ended there, it would be George Michael's not going to pursue this relationship because. To do that, he would have to hurt maybe by telling her that they're not related. So I think that is a nice little cap. If it had been canceled after this episode, you would just kind of get the idea that he's going to drop it and he's going to let his feelings go, you know, for her benefit. Because overall, it'd be better for her to have her family than to try to pursue the romance that he wants. And of course, you know, she she can't let him have his kind of victory, though, because she says... Now all I need is a boyfriend. <laughs> <laughs> kind of rubs it in his face a little bit, you know, like if he's going to let it go... I mean, yeah, so it's 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 a funny way to kind of end that, but yeah, I like you have two kind of very real scenes there where the this kind of ongoing very jokey storylines are kind of tied up 
in a kind of genuine way that would have, like you say, yeah, if this had been the final episode, that would have felt like a really good way to end those. Um, and then, of course, we get <laughs> from that kind of, you know, thing, we, we get some cruelty from George Sr. as <laughs> Job is the only one who shows up at the courthouse. <laughs> And of course, he says, "Why am I the only one who ever comes through in this family?" Yeah. And yeah. <laughs> George Senior says, "I can't believe no one showed up whilst <laughs> Job is saying, i 'I'm here, Dad.'" Yeah. <laughs> and it's such a. I mean, we know that Lucille does not care for Job because she said it <laughs> in the pilot, wasn't it? Because she like, said, "I don't care for Job." <laughs> <laughs> yep. And this is kind of George Senior almost basically saying the exact same thing, basically ignoring Job's actual existence. Um, you know. And one of my um, favorite Lucille jokes is when Buster comes in with the mariachi band. Is like, oh great, one day away from me, and he's joined a gang. <laughs> that is a great joke. <laughs> yeah, yeah. And of love course, that. Buster's like, oh, I've got them. For, I've got them for the afternoon. Yeah. <laughs> I also love that Buster thinks that a mariachi band is going to win the heart of a woman because. As you know, all women love mariachi bands, apparently. <laughs> yeah. Well, it's funny that, obviously, you know, Buster tries to make his grand gesture with his mariachi band in the previous scene, just as Michael and Marta are getting it on. But the funny thing is, as they're getting it on, you can hear the mariachi band playing in the background, so it's yeah. kind of like a soundtrack for it. Mm-hmm. rather than uh, So rather than Job singing and intruding on it, it oh, turns out so to be good. Buster and his mariachi band kind of yeah. intruding on it instead. Oh, I didn't pick that um, up on that. So, That's good. Now, yeah, have you yeah, talked yeah. at all so, about the three Martas? How the fact that there was three different people who played Marta? Okay. This is the end of Marta 2.0 in this episode. Yeah. We should okay. note as well. This is this is the final appearance. Next time you see Marta, she'll be played very briefly in a cameo by a completely different actress mm. uh, for the sake of a joke, basically. Yeah. Um, and I think on the commentary for this episode, they talk about how they preferred Marta this martyr to the previous martyr everyone has their favorite it's like you know the james bonds everyone has their bond that they like (laughs) (laughs) i mean sean connery is my least favorite martyr uh, it's the hair and of course yeah oh it's just not realistic and we we find out here that we've that they've got ping and judge ping (laughs) reminds everyone there are no cameras in the courtroom so of course the cameras leave which is Mm -hmm. a, a great touch and then it's one of the only times they acknowledge the cameras for a joke. There's one where um, there's one of the kitties uh, look at these, um, say goodbye to these, where they cover the camera with one of the cameraman's hands. But I can't, I'm trying to think of any other ones. I think that's season two, though, isn't yeah, it? Yeah, where they two. cover the camera. This is where we hear Judge Ping reading out conspiracy, racketeering, evidence tampering, fraud, theft, grand theft, petty theft, <laughs> and Barry being slightly kind of overtaken that he did not get that page. Um, and then resisting resisting arrest, of course, what I think is the the, the flea that um, uh, George Sr. made during um, In God We Trust. Uh, I'm assuming um, so, yeah. Yeah, and then... Because they didn't even you know, know he fled Job. this time. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I that is that such a great too. gag. <laughs> Like, oh, there you are. Literally flees into the cell. (laughs) (laughs) They'll never catch him. Three seconds later, he's in the cell. And so, you know, this is where the start of the the Bluth boys fighting begins, Mm -hmm. where um, Job and Michael, you know, we're outside of the... the, Because we're only hearing the charges through the crack in the door again. And this is where we hear them kind of like fighting. Judge Ping is saying order in the court. And then they like burst through the doors (laughs) 
and they're uh, they're already fighting, um, and then Lucille is trying to kind of get between them, uh, and then that's when George Senior makes his 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 run, um, and Barry does exactly the same <laughs> <laughs> because he's also overwhelmed by the charges leveled at his um, client, and of course Buster sees the fight and decides that this is a good time to uh, get involved. And is this the first time Michael climbs a tree during one of their fights? Yes, okay. this is the first time that they've like had an actual fight. That's what I thought. Okay, but yeah. yeah, this will happen. This will happen a few more times whenever they fight. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, um, and obviously we also get you know we cut back to the model home where we see Lindsay and Tobias uh, getting intimate for the first time, um, and that cuts back to the fight. And the only time um, in the series, isn't it? They don't ever have sex again. I don't think, do they? Um. Uh, no, I don't know. Not not I can think of. I I mean, I think um, obviously Tobias when he when he ends up in court, he kind of talks about the clattering of certain things. But yeah, I don't I don't think they they ever actually have sex again because they spend most of the, the the second season in an open relationship. Yeah, and then obviously they spend most of the third season like apart. Um, so no, um, and of course the as the fight goes on, we get back to Marta who has was told that the hearing would wait ten minutes, which of course. You know, with last ten minutes, which of course is you know a reference to how 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 they got it cut down to ten minutes, mm-hmm. um, and you know she sees the brothers fighting, and she says, "I thought you were good people. I thought you were noble. I thought you care about family, but clearly you don't. It's over, both of you. It's over." And then of course Buster says, "Wait, wait, wait what about what about me?" <laughs> and I love the delivery of. I'm sorry, I- I'm not totally sure who you are. <laughs> of course, Buster goes. Wow. Wow, <laughs> that's what it feels like to get punched in the face. No, I feel so bad for him in that moment. Yeah, he. The funny thing is, he 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 only fell in love with her at the end of the last episode, so he has barely been in love with her for twenty minutes. Uh, but of course, he's the only one who has any comprehension of Spanish. <laughs> he was the one who was best suited for her. So the um, question I wanted to bring up is that when Michael came yeah. into the courtroom. He's the reason they couldn't make it 10 minutes, right? Because until then, they looked like a happy family. And then he walks into the courtroom and then all hell breaks loose, you know? Because I think it said like four minutes later or something like that. So, like, it's, yeah, it says five minutes there, later. So, yeah, after, after five minutes of Michael being in there, they get into a fight. Yeah, and yeah. I think, yeah, because Job obviously arrives first and he's all alone, Buster arrives with his gang. And he's just downtrodden. <laughs> so they're, 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 not, they're not trying to get into a fight. They're not causing any problems. <laughs> you know, Lindsay and Tobias aren't there to, to be arguing in front of anyone. So obviously they're not causing any problems. Yeah. George Michael and maybe are, are at the model home kind of commiserating. You know, at, like the, the, only people, the only person who causes a problem is Michael, which, you know, yeah. lends theory to the fact that he doesn't realize most of the time he's actually the villain. <laughs> um, well, he's a, a villain in the story about terrible people, though. <laughs> yeah. yeah. And of course, we finish with Michael saying, you know, Job saying, do you believe that? And Michael being, yeah, lecturing us about family. And Job says, who needs that? <laughs> it's like, uh, you know, we're brothers. That's got to count for something. And Job says, that counts for everything. And then, of course, they kind of, they keep getting into, they keep pushing it of like, who's going to be like a boyfriend or a girlfriend or like, you know, all that kind of stuff. And Buster is like, you know, first of all, this is all moot because she never got to know me. Now, will someone please have the decency to punch me in the face? And then, of course, Michael just draws back and Buster rolls up into a ball. And Michael says, well, it's effective. <laughs> <So good. laughs> it really is. 
And if the show had been cancelled, that kind of would have been the end of the entire kind of like blue storyline is Buster in a ball while Michael and Job just kind of leave him there. Um, and at this point as well, Lucille has kind of abandoned her family. Um, and, you know, George Senior's back in prison and Barry is on the run as well. So, it's, it, you know... It does kind of feel like a weird place that it would have ended. I do love uh, the idea. I do end. love the idea that if it had been cancelled. The last thing we would see is that on the next with you know David Cross. Well, yes, we we <laughs> that'd be a great way. <laughs> we to get end to this on the next, next and and this is something that's that on the commentary for this is discussed quite a bit because basically everyone in the scene who wasn't David Cross could not keep a straight face, <laughs> and you can see it that like they literally could not get one take without someone laughing. So they're all trying not to laugh. And you have Michael and Lindsay and Job and Buster all sitting at the breakfast table. Um, which, something that has been a concern is where are people living? Yeah. And it seems at this point that everyone is living at the the model home at this particular point. It seems like Buster and Job have moved in, <laughs> moved into the model home. And nobody's feeding the children. <laughs> No, <laughs> no. The children they're not. There. Yeah, then. Well, they're not at the breakfast tables, but, which is for the best because, of course, <laughs> Tobias, as as they say, as the narrator says, quietly overcompensates. Yeah, yeah. And um, Tobias says, "Please tell me there's some coffee left." And then he goes, "I slept very well last night." As he like kind of leans in to get himself some coffee, and as we say, David Cross is completely naked. <laughs> and uh, yeah, so the he, look uh, on Lindsay's face is so funny. <laughs> Well, I think it's because they're all trying not to laugh. That's the thing. Like literally, oh, yeah. all of them are. And I think, are if just, I remember, so they're, they're making really odd faces. If I remember the commentary, um, Portia didn't know he was going to be naked, so she was taken by surprise. If I, if I yeah, she had no clue, so she yeah. turns around and he's standing there naked. <laughs> <laughs> oh man. Yeah, but obviously, like Will Arnett keeps himself busy by like eating. And Tony Hale is like completely frozen, staring straight ahead. <laughs> and and Jason Bateman kind of he's he seems to be eating, but then he he puts his head down and starts to put his his head in his hand because obviously he's breaking. And yeah, like you say, Portia de Rossi doesn't seem to know where to look, <laughs> so she's kind of for most of the scene she's kind of staring at David Cross's kind of chest area rather than like just trying not to look down. <laughs> Um, but yeah, if that had been the end of the show, that would have been like a really, like, I think people would have loved these 13 episodes and they would have, you know, hailed that as probably one of the greatest, like, end shots of all time. Because yeah. it's just such a, a funny joke. It was great. Um, but yeah. And I'm going to say on the next episode of I've Made a Huge Mistake, we'll be covering episode 14, which is essentially a standalone episode. Um, you know, most of the storylines in this like I say, they finish, and then season 14, it's all about, well, curiously enough, it's all about Saddam Hussein and uh, Mrs. Bailey, um, or Miss Bailey, should I say, because as, as several people point out, there is no uh, ring on her finger. I love Miss Bailey. <laughs> and that is actually, the like, that episode is the first time that Iraq gets mentioned as part of the ongoing storylines. Uh, but uh, is there anything else that needs to be talked about in oh, this episode? I was trying to, I wanted to know, does anyone know what the title of this episode is a reference to? Oh, yeah. Because you, usually they're puns. And I, like, I was racking my brain. All I can figure is that the beef, is it beef consume? Or is it like the soup? Or is it beef consume? I figured... Um, I mean, the pronunciation I would go for would be consomme. 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 
Um, I always the one yeah. thing I think of is that the beef refers to the beef between Michael and Job over Marta, but I I could not figure that, out what the pun yeah. is. Yeah, I have a theory. Yeah, yeah, no, that is it. That is that is the that is the beef. The beef yeah. is the is the two brothers is the three brothers fighting or the two brothers fighting, depending on how involved you think Buster <laughs> is in that final fight. <laughs> where he seems to be running around a lot, trying to get hit, but not actually getting hit. So yeah, that is that is like what the beef is, and well, obviously a consom <clears throat> is a. Uh, when when um, uh, Lucille talks about the creation of maybe, and she says she was made like a soup, I yeah. think that's what the and as she says that she gives um, she hands uh, George Michael a cup which I think has got some soup in it. I think that's one of the major things. And then the other scene where uh, Buster and uh, Job are in the kitchen, uh, Job is talking about, like, why would she want you? I'm prime rib. Why would she want someone, you know, some... I think, forget the words he says, like, weak... Weird brother of um, prime rib? Brother of prime rib. Yeah, weird brother of strange brother of prime rib. Is a reduction of soup made from sort of scraps of prime rib and things like that so i think the, yeah as yes, darren it's like said a watered in, down in the scene with um george michael it, there's soup there i think that's on purpose and then also you know marta is sort of presented with not prime rib it's probably more of you know <laughs> a weak soup <laughs> so yeah <laughs> I mean, it's also worth saying as well that a uh, consom it, it takes a long time to prepare Mm-hmm. You have to like let it simmer for a long time, so that kind of fits with the fact that this is something that has essentially been simmering for like twelve episodes. Oh, interesting. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's true. That's a good way to look at it. So, uh, Sarah, do you have anything you wish to plug? Uh, you can follow my blog, Upright Ladies. Um, write as in writing, uprightladies.com. Okay, and Kyle, <laughs> do you have anything you wish to plug? Um, I want to plug my future appearances on this podcast. Um. In addition, uh, right? Um, no, uh, don't find me. Um, I'm a, a, a hermit who lives in the forest. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Uh, well, then, otherwise, thanks to both of you for joining me today. Thank you for having me. Thank you. Thank you for having me. Yeah. And goodbye. Goodbye.